Hello and welcome to The Flex. It's Matt St. Jean and Joe Howie here for your Providence Friars postgame recap. And what a game it was. Friars go down to Washington, D.C., come away with a 71-52 to win over the Georgetown Hoyas. Friars are now 20-2 and on the season. And the big story out of this one, Joe, that's Jared Bynum. 32 points. He said after the game, he asked, how that? How big did that basket look? Said it looked like an ocean, and it felt that way. He was. He did not miss. Yeah, I talk about one, a significant margin of victory over a Big East opponent on the road. Um, so metrics aside, I, I don't even want to talk about the metrics for all, all the naysayers, the UConn fans, who all the doubters who say Providence can't beat teams by double digits. Here you go. Here, here you go. Just we'll, we'll we'll hand this to you on a silver platter with Jared Bynum as the butler. I mean, come on, what a game! All right, that is his second half. Bynum finished thirty-two points, eleven of fifteen from the field, seven of eight from deep, three of three from the free throw line, tackle on five rebounds and two assists. He had four turnovers, and we'll talk about the first half in a little bit. But that second half is. I mean, arguably the best 20 minutes of basketball we've seen from the Friars all season. What and aside from because I'm sure we're going to talk about Bynum plenty. What I really liked about the second half is we came out, we were down three and we immediately set the tone uh, on back to back to back possessions by giving the ball to Watson down low and just letting him pound in the paint. Uh, I think that is the way you come out out of a terrible first half and really set the tone for yourself as a team in the second half. Now, Georgetown, like they, they, they didn't really go away until, you know, around the 12, 11 minute mark in the second half, which is fine. But I think from our end, from Providence's side, what an adjustment made at halftime to come out and say, okay, we're going to give it to our big guy and let him go to work. And then ever the rest followed suit. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I think we got to talk about, what happened in that first half just to set up what happened in the second half. The Friars had more turnovers than points in the paint through the first 20 minutes, had as many field goals as turnovers. It just, it was sloppy, sloppy play. They had a really good first minute without three to open the game and you force a turnover. And after that, Georgetown really did what they wanted to do. They had control of the game in some ways. And they went into half with a 30 to 27 lead. And you're right. The Friars did what they really wanted to do here. Georgetown does not have great big men when they're small. And what you wanted to do was get Watson some one-on-one opportunities. And they were finally, I think they got one of those in the first half. And in the opening minutes of the second half, that's all they were doing. Yep, exactly. I, I mean, just, just the, I had, um, a little bit of a heart attack moment in the first half. I think Georgetown went up like four, three or four or something, and we immediately turned the ball over on the next possession. I was, I saw the the throwback jerseys. I was like, oh no, like we're gonna be the team that gives Georgetown their first conference win, the same way we did to Marquette on the road in the throwback jerseys, but. The, what a turnaround. What 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 an adjustment. Um, and to to everything you said, Matt, about coming out slow and the turnovers. And I, I think, you know, it, it's it's 12 noon on Sunday. It's sub 20 degrees in the northeast. It, it's 
you're coming off of maybe not like a week's rest, but a couple a longer rest than you're accustomed to the the past five or so games. I, I think Providence was definitely a little bit cold to start, and Damn. not a little bit. They were a lot of bit cold to start. Yeah, they were, and part of that, I mean, we saw that first half from Al Durham and AJ Reeves was not great. Al Durham went over two from the field. He really was a non-factor on offense, and he was turning the ball over. So Durham did not have his best first half, and A.J. Reeves just really didn't play that well. He's, he's not back yet. He was not shooting the ball well. He was turning it over, not playing great defense. And I think it was kind of clear when you got to the break, one, the Friars need to get the ball into the paint. But to go with that, you need a guard who can take over, a guard who can score for you because – like we said all year, when you have paint presence guys like Nate Watson and Ed Croswell, you're going to have opportunities from the outside. Teams are going to overplay the big guys, and you're going to get the open looks. So you need somebody who could hit those shots, and man, did Bynum step up with that. And that's you needed one of these guys too. That's kind of what we've talked about for the Friars. They have a lot of a lot of inconsistent players, but we have so many of them that there's always somebody that's on. Durham and Reeves yep. don't have their shooting nights, shooting days. All right, it's Bynum's turn. And, you know, I wouldn't necessarily call it inconsistent. Um, I get the point that you're trying to make. Like right now, Reeves is coming off of an injury. This is only his third game played. His second game started since the injury. Obviously, it's going to take him some time to get back into the flow of things. I think especially because in the month off without Reeves, Providence really settled into the seven man rotation. So now you're inserting an eighth man into this. And I think that comes at, at, at the for I think that does not benefit Al, um, not Al Durham, Alan Breed, because he loses his rotational spot. But at the same time, it's a disadvantage to Reeves because he has to work his way into a rotation that's been clicking. Um, and Durham, like, even though, like, inconsistent, I think, is, is the way you would describe his shooting performance tonight. But from the stripe, he was perfect. Um, I'd say getting the ball out with pace and speed and transition something consistent we've seen from him. And, I mean, you look at the wing, Horkler and Manaya, like, both of them scored in double figures. Horkler had a double-double. Manaya was making timely shots, timely uh, defensive stops M- from him. Like Manaya was, uh, Manaya was their best offensive player in the first half. Yeah. So I get what you're saying with the in, saying inconsistent, but I, I think it's just one guy outshines the other because if Bynum didn't have this night, this would be the Noah Horkler podcast because he had a double-double or the Justin Manaya podcast. But I think what we're seeing now is these guys stepping up and – it, maybe it's a stretch of games. Maybe it's uh, we talk about Manaya because he's been super defensive against Marquette and then St. John's or something like that. And now we're talking about Bynum because he dropped 32. I, I just think the interchangeable parts on this team have their have their their high their highlights. Yeah. Well, and that's how it is. It's it's always you can guarantee one of the guys is going to have a really good game. You don't know which one it's going to be before the game necessarily, but somebody is going to have it. And I think. For me, the moment when you realized that Bynum was hot, and we didn't even know it when it happened, that alley-oop he threw to Justin Manaya that just went in. <laughs> that, oh, that was like I knew you were going to say that. that. I saw uh, your tweet. So I knew you were going to say that. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I think that is foreshadowing. Bynum didn't, Bynum didn't even know he was hot. He was throwing an alley-oop, and it went in. And, yeah. and can we just <laughs> pause for a moment and talk about the commentating crew of this game? Because... For a majority of, I'd say, the first 30 minutes of that game, every time Georgetown hit a shot, it was like, oh, my God, he hit it, all oh, the Hoyas. 
And that's a three-pointer from Jared Bynum. Like, it, it's almost like they were disappointed that we were scoring. So here's the thing. I think this is – I honestly wasn't as bothered by the commentary as some people because I think this is what, this is the treatment you get when you're the front runner. Like, if the, if the team that's not favored – Looks like they're going to pull an upset. They're doing commentary for Georgetown, and they're they're looking like, oh, they might get their first Big East win of the year, and they might do it over the top team in the Big East, something like that. They're going to get that kind of hype. The Friars don't get that hype in a game like this right off the bat because it's expected now. It's almost a sign of respect. Granted, that said, the commentator was a little bit over the top. Also, that kind of excitement is going to sound a lot better if you've got the roar of the crowd behind you, which that was a very, very empty Capital One arena today. There was nobody there for that game. So well, I, I agree, Matt, with what you said. Like, you know, we were favored for the in this game. And I understand, like, if the underdog is making some serious plays that you want to, you know, be like you, you want to give them the added momentum. But I think with like 15 minutes to go in the first half, that's maybe not the time to do it. Now, if it's a tight no, game was, yeah. and there's and there's less than three in the second half and Georgetown hits a big shot, oh, go ahead. But just timeliness is everything. Yeah, no, I, I do agree there. But yeah, the, the crowd, this is a Georgetown program that isn't shambles. Attendance today was 5,575. That arena can hold up to 20,000 people. That, this is Their attendance wouldn't be, it wouldn't be half of the dunk. I mean, that's that's not great. And this is that's that's a tough look for the program. But hey, big win for the Friars, the kind of win that they needed. Uh, you mentioned my tweet about bottom. I don't know if you saw the other one, but it made me laugh at his stat line on alley-oops was one of two shooting with an assist. <laughs> oh my God. One of two shooting with an assist. That's kind of funny. Uh, the other one that was the exclamation point to Nate Watson get behind the defense so nice. I mean that's oh. yeah, that's what you want. Could have landed team. a plane with all the space he had there. Yeah, that was nice. Yeah, that's those were the other two points. Watson he, Watson only had six points in the second half, but he got four of them in the first ninety seconds, and that's kind of what set the tone. And that's that's all this team needs. If you can just really make teams play the paint, and you do that by getting a couple looks inside early. You have wide open opportunities from the outside, and then it's just a matter of time. You got to figure out which guy's hot that night. <laughs> yeah, some, yeah, some nights. And yeah, and here's the thing: we're talking about bottom tonight. I didn't even really realize it until I went back and looked at the St. John stat line. He was four of five from deep. So for his last two games, he's eleven of thirteen from beyond the arc. I mean, that he, is just. Remarkable. I mean. Confidence is a hell of a drug, and I think Bynum has taken a healthy dose because his shooting from beyond the arc has been incredible. Uh, I mean, and if we look back even further, this started against Xavier, you know, the buzzer beater. When it, let's rewind, let's let's take for a moment this, the Xavier game and let's isolate it no, without knowing what we know now about Jared Bynum and how hot he's become from beyond the arc. Would you have expected him to? take and make that three against Xavier to win the game? Objective answer. I'm going to be honest. Yes, because I think he's been a better three-point shooter. I think he's good at hitting the three-point looks. But I don't think... I mean, when he took that shot, the field ends, all right, this is this has got a 50-50 shot. Like, it's got a good shot. Is it a guarantee to go in? I Absolutely not. <laughs> okay. See, I, I, have a, I have a different take. If I'm... 
if I if I could rewind to that moment it, without knowing what I know how the game ended and and all the games that we've had with him pl- shooting well from beyond the arc, I'd say you give the ball to Durham or Horkler to take that shot. Even Manaya, I wouldn't have said okay, Bynum's going to take the game winning three at Xavier, but it was him. And the point I'm trying to make here is, I think the the stigma we had in our head of Bynum from last season was that he was a mediocre three point shooter, and now it's really on display that he's improved. That's no, the long-winded answer. Yeah, well, he is, by percentage, before this game, before he put out these absurd numbers, he was the team's second most efficient three-point shooter. 38.3% of his threes went in, only behind only Horkler. And we'll have to see what these numbers look like now. But, yeah, I mean, he's – and this is something – I mean, he showed it at least to an extent when he was at St. Joe's. He was a 34.3% three-point shooter there as a freshman. So I think, uh, if anything, last year was more of an anomaly. And even last year at points, we saw he'd have games where he'd be a good shooter. It just wasn't really falling for him. Now he's got the confidence. Now he's got just the reps. Honestly, it reminds me of Luan Pipkins. It's just that instead of that transformation happening mid-season – it's over a two season span. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. The other thing, too, and this is again going to get completely overlooked just because Jared Biden scored 32 points. Can't emphasize that. 32, career high. Noah Horkler had his seventh double double. He leads the Big East in rebounding by a pretty fair margin. 10 points, 11 rebounds today. He's gotten talked about as a glue guy. I mean, he's just so important for what this team does. Yeah, I, I think Noel Horkler is severely, severely undervalued um, with respect to national attention. Um, and listen, on a night when Bynum goes for 32, I think it's permissible. But I, I think, and even us, Matt, we need to do a better job of talking about Horkler and the impact he provides. Um, I, I think beyond the stat sheet, poise, you know. He, he's someone who he never looks um, uncomfortable or just distressed in moments where, you know, it's a high pressure, high pressure situation. I, I think he has a, a good head on his shoulders and he makes the right plays at the right time. The timeliness of his rebounds, the timeliness of the three point shots that he's knocking in. I think everything comes at the right moment with him, um, which is why he's rightfully, uh, you know, coined the glue guy. He is, he is so steady. He's the team's most consistent player, that's for sure. Because you yeah. know, all right, he's going to hit a couple shots. He's probably going to get 10 points. And he's like he's, he's probably going to get a double-double is how it feels. Okay, before this game, Horkler averaging 10 points, 8.4 rebounds. Scored 10 points in this one, so that, not, that number's not going to change. We'll see that rebound number tick up a little bit. And it was already at the top of the conference. And what's even more incredible about that, he's averaging that and you have Watson averaging almost six rebounds per game, and Manet is averaging almost six rebounds per game. Plus, Croswell over four rebounds per game. This team has a lot of guys that can really help you out on the boards, and it's remarkable to have both depth and high-level talent on the glass like this team does. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm just looking at the rebounding numbers here, 37 to 30 and I think to start the second half Georgetown had the the rebounding edge if I'm remembering that correctly so you know credit to the bigs on Providence to kind of pick it up in the second half um 
Yeah, the Georgetown led rebounding 15 to 14 after the first half, which obviously part of that has to do with missed shots. But yeah, they got a couple offensive rebounds. They had they had two offensive rebounds in that first half. Thankfully, credit to the Friars' defense, they didn't get any second chance points. So I will say, the Providence's defense I thought had a really good day today, first and second half. Um. Yeah, I'd say so. I see the first half. It's like you're so distracted by how poorly we're playing on offense that I think you lose sight of, you know, how good the defense is. Um, and I, I think too there was a, a a bit of chippiness between the the, the teams. Um, it certainly was. Bynum doesn't seem to be a fan of Donald Carey, and <laughs> if I'm remembering this correctly, I think Ego Efe and Watson were, were shoving around a little bit. Ego Efe even threw an air elbow towards Manaya when he was fighting for um, a defensive rebound. So, you know, I, I think these this Georgetown team is, you know, they're hopeless right now. They've lost 11 straight games. They're defeated in conference play, and they just got their teeth kicked in at home in front of a, a, a terrible, terrible home crowd. I mean, it, uh, you you almost feel badly for them. Yeah, this is a low point for the program, that's for sure. The, the reason I say the defense, I thought, played pretty well in the first half was that, yeah, Georgetown scored 30 points. 11 of them were fast break. Nine of them were points off turnovers. So in the half court, the Friars only allowed 19 points, plus only 22 points in the second half. None of them were fast break. So on the game, in the half court, the Friars had allowed 41 points. That's, that's really good right there. And if you want to look at efficiency numbers and all that, this game is, might actually end up being better for the Friars at the defensive end than the offensive end, just because of, because of that. Damn. I mean, that's um, that's pretty good. What, what do we, you said we rose in Ken Palm, Matt? Yep. The Friars moved up now from 48 to 41 on Ken Palm. It's second highest they've been all season, only behind that DePaul road win. And, and what do those two have in common? The two biggest like rises that we've had in Ken Palm are when we're blowing out teams, especially blowing out bad teams on the road. You do something like that, that's always going to look good in the stats. And then we said before the game, that's kind of what the Friars needed. It was just one of these games you put it all together. They didn't even put it all together for a full game. But we also talked about how when they play poorly, they're still in games. This team is like, with the exception of the Marquette and Virginia games, when they play poorly, they usually still grind it out enough that it's a close game. So they'll play... Heck, you look at the Marquette one. They'll play 25 minutes of mediocre basketball, and then the other 15 are just so good that they'll that they'll really make up for any kind of deficit they had in the rest of the game. This one was 20 minutes of mediocre basketball and 20 minutes of some of the best basketball they've played all season. Yeah, I'd say maybe I'd say maybe 25-15, just because I feel like to start the second half it was still rather close and. Um, Actually, no, I take that back because that contradicts what I said earlier. To start the second half, we started pounding <laughs> Watson. So you're right, 2020. <laughs> and it's obviously rough numbers, but really good. Yeah, no, yeah. One of the other things, one of the other things I want to come back to that we talked about on the pregame show, and we kind of put this out there as just a throwaway nugget talking about AJ Reeves, but about how Providence kind of had a history the last couple of years of wasting great games from their players, wasting career high performances. Well, yeah, career high for Jared Bynum, and you win by 19 points on the road. That's right. That, that that's what you want to see. 
And and honestly, Matt, I think this game is. Um, do you just aside aside now? Do you remember in English when you learned about character foils? I do. This game was a game foil of the, of last year's game at Georgetown. We yes. started. We started the first half against Georgetown last year with A.J. Reeves with a career night, high-scoring first half. Providence takes a a healthy double-figure lead by 20-plus points. And then we end the game with a terrible offensive performance. We let Georgetown get into it. It's really ugly basketball, and we wind up losing the game with Reeves not scoring a ton. I think it was the complete opposite today. We start the game. The offense looks terrible. Bynum doesn't have a ton of first-half points. And then in the second half, it's just like the like he said, the basket was an ocean. And the, we Providence builds up a comfortable double-figure lead, and then that's it. Game over. And, and also, going off that, they hit their free throws. I mean, they're 13 to 16 from the line, and your backcourt was perfect. The only guys that missed free throws, Manai missed one, Croswell missed two. Your forwards are shooting 50% from the line, and everybody else is knocking them down. You'll take that. You know who was the leading free throw shooter for Providence today, Joe? Nate Watson. Four of four. Yep. Heck, heck of a day for him from the stripe. Proud of him for doing that. He needed this. You know, You know he's in the gym practicing. Come on. Oh, no, I do, and I'm glad to see it actually pay off. I mean, it's big guys, it's never easy to shoot free throws, but a game like this going perfect from the line? Heck yeah, Nate. I would love to see that. Even when things aren't always going as well in the half court, you can make your money at the line. And there was, there was a spot where it almost looked like Georgetown intentionally fouled them just because they were like, all right, I mean, you're not going to make the free throws, so we'll do that instead of letting you get the basket. Calmly sinks them both. Also, uh, I think it's notable on both of Watson's trips to the line, Georgetown had lane violations, one in the first Mm -hmm. half, one in the second half. I think that's telling about Georgetown, too. Like, one, you could talk about lack of discipline and all that. They're young. There's a reason they're uh, undefeated, blah, blah, blah. But it's no coincidence that Watson was at the line when there were lane violations. I think Georgetown's bigs were like, okay, we're going to get we're going to take a half early step here to get the board. And then all you did is give Watson the opportunity to take the second to redo another free throw. Yeah. And you know, you give him those extra opportunities. He was knocking them down to credit to him for that. And the other, I mean, we had the Friars had four guys in double figures. Bynum's going to get the the lead story. Holkler's going to get that B story. Watson was a key figure. And the other guy, we kind of touched on it, but I want to come back to it. Manaya. He was a big reason why the game was close in the first half. I mean, he knocked down a couple threes and he was feeling it, playing good defense. That, That was huge. That's what you needed to stay in this game. So you're only down three, even though you're not playing well and you have the opportunity to do what you did in the last 20 minutes. Yeah, and I feel like this is what I I love so much about this team and the roster of guys is here is that I feel like there was a stretch there about a week, week and a half ago where all we were talking about was Justin Manaya and his defensive presence and how he's really picked it up on offense and he's playing every minute of every game. And I feel like now the past couple of games, or especially today, we've transit we've transitioned to Bynum because of his scoring and the threes he made tonight, the threes he made against St. John's, and you know maybe next is Horkler, maybe next is Watson, but that doesn't maybe necessarily Reeves mean picks it up. Yeah, right. 
But that doesn't necessarily mean that Manaya cooled off. It just means he's not in the spotlight anymore. And I think that's what's so important when you look at the depth of this roster is that, sure, tonight Jared Bynum gets the spotlight. But that doesn't mean that Watson, Horkler, Manaya didn't play well because they did. It just means that they're not in the spotlight tonight. And it's like a rotation. Next man up into the spotlight will be... Reeves, like you said, it could be Durham, but that doesn't mean Bynum is going to cool off or play badly. Yeah, and this is this is what I meant earlier when I was talking about kind of how the lineup can be inconsistent. You don't know which guy it's going to be next that's going to heat up, but there's enough guys that are capable of it that you can be sure somebody's going to. You just yep. it's it is this, there have been exactly two games this year where nobody's been hot, and those are for the Virginia and Marquette games. And if you have if you have one game every ten games where nobody's on and you happen to lose, you're a really, really, really good basketball team. Just bottom line. Agreed. Yeah. Totally agreed. But, and the Friars have just I mean, they've put it together. I mean, that second half, forty four to twenty two. That is just that is impressive. And that oh my god, it's just I got to tell you, Joe, <laughs> the way that first half went, I was getting ready to come on here and do uh, do one of our angry podcasts. That's the way it looked like things were headed. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I mean, I try not to think about it too much until, until, you know, it's crunch time. Typically, I feel like under eight, under five in the second half is when I start getting a feel um, for how the podcast is going to go. Um, but no, you're right. But if you look at the first half and you look at the way the first half ended, you're thinking like, OF, like, here we go. Here's the narrative is the, the worst team in the conference beats the, the best team uh, and Providence um, ends Georgetown's losing streak and all that. No, absolutely not. And I, I would love to, to have been a fly on the wall in that halftime uh, meeting in the, uh, with Ed Cooley and his players in the locker room. I really I just would have loved to hear what he said. Yeah, and from what Bynum said after the game, it's not. And what the what the I think the announcers were talking about about the Marquette game. Cooley's not getting angry at them. He's not getting heated. He's not laying into them. But it's all. It's he has a ton of confidence in his players. He trusts them. He knows. Like you're only yelling at your guys in a situation like that if you don't think they're trying hard enough or you don't think they're playing hard enough. And that's just never the case for the Friars. It's never that. It's always all right. Little execution things. We got to clean this up. We got to clean that up. It's. Things like that. So you, you don't have to really get into it with them. It's just all right. We got to fix this. We got to fix this. We got to fix this. We're going to do this a little bit differently. And you go out and you do it. And it's really that simple. And that's it. Goes back. You go back to the press conference after the Marquette game, and Ed Cooley could have come out and said, "Man, I'm disappointed in my players." But it really wasn't that. It was all right. Marquette played a good game. We're on to the next one. We didn't play the game we wanted. It happens. We're on to the next one because he trusts his guys. And yeah. it's just it's so painfully obvious right now that. This team is a, such a, a cohesive unit together. They, now, they I do, really are. Yeah, it's it's really nice. I, I what I did think was interesting is how much uh, we saw stretches where Ed Croswell and Nate Watson were playing together. And I've not I haven't liked those lineups in the past, but I thought it worked today. I thought it actually. I thought Georgetown was playing into the paint so heavily when the Friars did that. That's when some of their open lines from deep came. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, that look is usually hit or miss. Um, I think that act- that substitution came when Muhammad inbounded the ball off of Horkler's back and yeah, then Georgetown wound up scoring. That was the second time in the game he did it. And he did it in the first half with uh, 
Breed, whose back was to him, and then in the second half, Horkler, and Horkler winds up committing a frustration foul after that. Cooley takes him out because he had three, and then that's when we saw Croswell come on, and I thought Croswell gave some good minutes. Um, I think in a game like this where the bigs are being kind of chippy and overly physical, Ed Croswell is totally an asset to have because he plays with a huge chip on his shoulder every night. He does, and he's also he's a really good finesse player too down low. So when guys are when things are getting chippy, I think he can take advantage of some of that extra emotion that comes out and play with a little bit more subtlety and find some of those holes. I mean, the number of plays you don't even you never see Croswell. You just you see the shot go up, it misses, and then immediately you see it go right back up at and and then you hear the announcer say, "And Croswell with the points." I mean, if I had a nickel for every time that's happened. Oh my goodness! Croswell I do also want to had seven boards. Sorry. Yeah. yeah as I'm looking at the box score. Yeah, four point seven boards for him. Yeah, he, he had a very solid, solid day at the office. I want to talk a little bit about this Georgetown offense. Um, I'm going to start with the positive for them because I was impressed by Aminu Muhammad. He's preseason freshman of the year. I think he had a really good game. He was he was the, really the only guy in that Georgetown lineup that was given the Friars problems all day long. And I know yeah, I mean, Cooley has raved about how good he thinks he can be. I, I was just going to say, Cooley has a lot of respect for Muhammad. He, he says he reminds him of a young Alpha Diallo. Um, and he's, listen, he's a good player. Um, he's tough around the rim. He's got a nice little jump shot. I think he's good. Um, he, he's uh, smart, too. Very, very smart player. Yeah, he... he, he I think, <laughs> to go back to it, the two inbound plays, he was just so aware that, like, okay... These guys have their back to me. I can just inbound it right here and get the ball back myself. Like mm-hmm. f- to be a freshman and to be making those types of plays against senior players. Alan Breed is a sophomore. Noel Horko is a fifth year, and Muhammad's like schooling them on j- just these little basic nuances of inbound plays. I think that's that says a lot about his basketball IQ. And if he stays in the program, because we've seen you know young stars transfer out of Georgetown, if he stays in the program, he's going to be a beast. And he's going to be one of those names you hate to play against. Absolutely. And I thought I thought Ryan Matumbo had a pretty decent day, too. I mean, it's a tough matchup against Nate Watson. So I'm not even going to really look at his defense all that much. But on offense, I think he made a couple nice plays. He showed his size. He knew how to play it. He drew fouls. This is um, a, George, a Georgetown. If, if they're able to keep that duo together and they're able to develop them together, I think they might have at least something decent there. I thought it was interesting when they put um, Ryan Matumbo's stats alongside his dad's and compared each of their freshman years. And they're very, very similar. They, they shoot at a similar clip. They're averaging same, roughly same points, same rebounds, same playing time. Like, I think it's interesting. And obviously everyone knows who his dad grew up to be. But uh, the one thing I didn't like about him today is he took a terrible wide open three from the top of the key with like a ton of time left in the shot clock. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, what are you doing? You're seven foot two. You, you, you're, that's not your shot. And I'm not the coach. Um, and then another comment. I don't know if you were paying attention to when they did the in the huddle with Patrick Ewing. Mm hmm. And he says to Ryan Otumbo <laughs> to stop dribbling the basketball so high. And oh, Patrick yeah. Ewing is mimicking it with his arm. I thought that was freaking hilarious because you're getting this advice. And he's right, because if you, 
when a big man dribbles the ball like that and is trying to back someone down, you're so vulnerable for someone to poke it away. So what Patrick Ewing w- was doing is he was coaching him up, and it's correct. And it's advice coming from one of the most tenured, highly decorated big men to ever play the game. But he's doing he's he's coaching him up so aggressively. I thought it was so funny. It's just like a, a priceless moment. Oh, yeah. No, that's yeah. You can tell the little, little freshman experience there for for the program for the Big East. I hope those two guys stay and they're able to build something around them because Georgetown being 0 and 10 in the Big East play. It's just not great. And that offense, they rely on the three ball when it isn't there. Oh, boy. They were 13 to 23 from deep up at the dunk a couple weeks ago. Today, three of 21. Donald Carey, one of eight. Caden Rice, one of seven from deep. I mean, the shots weren't falling. And they got open looks at points. But you could tell, especially once the Friars kind of turned that corner and got the momentum, the confidence was gone for Georgetown, and those shots just weren't there. Yeah. There was um, another inside the huddle. It was late in the second half. And... The Georgetown players just look so defeated. Um, and, and I think that that was kind of the moral of the story is, you know, the shots weren't falling. Bynum's having a career night and Providence starts pulling away. You think like, OK, we're, here we are again, another loss. Um, mm-hmm. And you feel badly for them. They're young kids. You know, it's not easy to lose 11 straight games and not have be to be completely winless in conference play. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, that's uh, Georgetown. Like we said, they're they're in a rough spot right now. But the Friars, I mean, the, Georgetown came out. They played a good game and credit to the Friars for figuring things out, taking advantage of a program that's down and getting the kind of win you need. I mean, when you have you beat a program twice, they sweep them. One game is a little bit closer. The other one's a blowout. Nothing wrong with that. You're in good shape moving up in <laughs> the metrics. I'm sure the net tomorrow morning, the Friars are going to look better. And we'll see what the AP poll looks like. If I had to guess where the Friars are going to be, I'm saying 12. That, I was going to say 12 as well. Yeah. I'll be shocked um, if there are anything but 12, that, or at least in the 11 to 13 range. I would say I, we could be as, how do you say it, high, low? We could be, I'd say 11 to 13 is fair. Um, in my opinion, do I think that this is a top 10 team in the country? Absolutely. But I just don't think that we have the national respect yet where AP poll voters are going to put us in the top 10. And, hey, we could be proven wrong. We, we were the first team in the conference to hit 20 wins, but you never know. So I, I think you're spot on, Matt. I think 12 is appropriate. And again, I mean, you got teams ahead of you right now that just have they have resumes that are essentially equal to what the Friars have. And. Yeah, it's going to stink a little bit to not get the respect, but at the same time, a team like Baylor with that's coming off a national championship, if the resume is about what the Friars have, I'm not going to blame them for getting the benefit of the doubt when you're coming off a national championship and you're getting all that all that credit. So, yeah, absolutely. That's just yeah, it's the it's the way life goes. This team is a if we, especially like I said on the preview, they're going to sneak in that top 12, top 13 range. Once you get there, you are in with the big boys. Like you're you're competing against teams where everybody's got big wins. Everybody has a good resume. Everybody has good metrics. Like they all have all of it. So you're at a point where those, those tiny little hairs or you're splitting hairs and, okay, you beat this team by seven and not 12. That's where that might start to become a factor. But again, yep. you're at the top. The Friars have 20 wins. Before it's, it's early February, they have 20 wins. We're a month away from the Big East tournament that we cannot talk enough about how remarkable that is. 
that's I just you you know the days that we've had where you're sitting there at the start of Feb- February and you're counting the number of games left and you're looking at how many wins you have and it's all right how do we get to 20 so we can get into the dance Friars are in when the bubble watches yeah. come out this week they're good, almost definitely going to be a lock I mean I think they have to be a lock at this point I, I was going to say Matt and just putting all the metrics, all the national narratives aside from a completely fan based perspective, you, you and I, we were students at Providence. Uh, the last time the Friars hit 20 wins was the 2017, 2018 season. And we didn't even check off the 20th win until we were playing in the big East conference. Yeah. And it was the win against Creighton in the first, in the, the Thursday game i think it was 2 30 in the afternoon if i'm correct that's that early game it was an overtime game and i just remember we won the game cartwright had that turnaround jump shot oh so that was a one a fantastic big east tournament but two i remember after that game going on twitter and seeing all the 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 usual suspects of friar twitter accounts tweeting at joe lunardi we're at 20 wins now are we in the tournament like yeah and i just remember that feeling of like we're here we got the 20th win fast forward the next season and no i think we were at 18 and 16 as our final record next season we could have gotten to 20 wins but covid shut that down so that doesn't count yeah. And we ended we ended the regular season with 19. We went on a six game winning. Like that was when I'm not talking about. You're sitting there doing the math. That was the season I think of where it's all right. Oh yeah. But you you got you pull up the schedule here. Yeah, we got to that point. Heading into February, the Friars were 11 and 10, with what, 10 games left. Yes, I have sir. this right. Yeah, 10 games left. So it's like all right, you need to go nine and one to hit 20 wins. That seems undo it well they they went eight and two <laughs> and that's that's what we're used to as fire fans like this is this is historic we have not done this in 73 74 and i'm not going to talk about what that team did on the podcast it, I, no. i'm absolutely not going to talk about that you can look it up yourself if you want to but this is man oh my goodness it's incredible 20 and 2 10 and 1 in the big east friars are going to get DePaul next saturday they get a nice break which i think they need Ed Cooley mentioned Al Durham is banged up. He was playing through injury today. I really think this team needs this needs a couple days off here to rest up and relax before they get to Paul. Yeah, I agree. I think, um, you know, I, I think the rest between this game and St. John's, um, it causes to come out a little cold, but I think the rest between this game and DePaul is going to give us time to reset, you know, Cooley and the, the random, uh, press conference that he did before the the Georgetown game said the guys, uh, the, the players need rest. You know, mm-hmm. ever since we came out of the pause, we've been firing at a quick clip. Uh, I think the next six days you just cool off or is it five days now? I don't even know the next couple days. You know, I think he said he's going to give them back to back days off where they just watch film and shoot free throws and get a lift in. And I think that's fine. And then you get back to work, you get back at the dunk and you go to work. Yep. Yeah. That's where we are. Going back to the big picture thing for a second, that 2020 team that finished with 19 wins on the season, they won 12 games in conference play, which at that point was a program record. Like we'd, That hadn't happened before. The Friars now have 10 wins in conference play. Just think about that. You have DePaul coming to town on Saturday. You I don't know. I don't want to play look ahead. 
I'm just, you don't have to, I'm just going to do this math for a second. You, you're going to have enough games here. I mean, if you win the games, you're favored to forget like Villanova, forget Xavier. If you win your home games against DePaul and Creighton and nothing else, you will have matched that win total. But Matt's, again, like this Friars team is in a position to do something that they really haven't done before. They finished conference play 12 and 6 back in 2020. It's the best they've ever done. I'm not sure what. We're going to play 17 conference games this year. Is that correct, Joe? 17, yes. Yeah. So if you win 12 games, you'll go 12 and 5. You'll have a better record than that team did. With two, the Friars win two more games. They're going to have the best Big East slate that a Providence team has ever had. That's we're, we're right is, on the verge here. This is a treat. This team, um, it, it's definitely a treat. Um, so everything aside, the metrics, the national media, the Twitter trolls, just Friar fans, take a deep breath and soak it all in. It's February 6th and we've reached 20 wins with only two losses. Uh, and Before, yeah, <laughs> it, it's it's not even Valentine's Day pink out game yet. And we're already at this mark. So, yeah, take think, a deep think, breath. Yeah, things that haven't happened yet when we've hit 20 wins. We haven't played Villanova yet. The Super Bowl hasn't happened yet. They they hit 20 wins before the Pro Bowl happened. Just this a couple is, hours before, but they did. This is a treat, so take it all in. You know, appreciate the moment, and then, you know, we're back to work Saturday. I think there's, um, Matt, a couple of other notable things that happened in the conference the past couple of days as well, if you want to talk about those quickly. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, we've been so wrapped up in what's going on with the Friars today. I mean, this is just I have the standings pulled up, too, so we can kind of look at that. Saturday was an interesting day. St. John's, they get the win over Butler. That was kind of expected. The other two games, Villanova crushing UConn. Villanova winning, I think, was expected, winning by 11 points. That was really the big question, and they, they did that. So a big bounce back for Villanova and my read on this, Joe, I don't know if we were on the same page here, but I think this kind of solidifies the tiers. Villanova's in the top three. It's Villanova, Providence, Marquette is the top three and the drop off to the next group. I would have to agree with that. Um, and like I said in the Georgetown preview, I thought Villanova was going to crush Connecticut. There was no way in hell that Jay Wright was going to get swept by Marquette and then go 0-2 on the week with a loss at home to Connecticut. And what also, uh, you know, I'm going to play the troll card here. If I remember correctly, Villanova was missing not one, but once Gillespie got hurt, two of their star guards and Connecticut still lost to them. And what was that Adama Sonogo said? We don't think we're going to win. We are going to win. And then he let Eric Dixon, who is mediocre at best, toy around with him in the paint. I think, listen, I don't like Villanova. I don't like Connecticut. And that's a game I just didn't even want to watch. But I think it, it, I think it's so fantastic that Connecticut basically ha- got everything handed to them on a silver platter by Jay Wright that day. I thought that was outstanding. Yeah, and that was that really. And we're going to talk about the, the other game that happened Saturday, which was also playing a part in this, but it clearly delineated. Oh, yeah. All right. Villanova is good. They're, they got swept by Marquette. 
but I think that says a little bit more about Marquette than Villanova. I think Villanova is pretty solidly in the 15 to 20 range in the AP poll. Like that's about how good they are this year. They're a really good team. They're efficient. They don't have quite that the high end talent that they've had in past years. So that's why they struggled when they went against the top dogs and why they've lost some games they wouldn't otherwise lose. Yeah. Xavier, on the other hand. Oh man. Xavier's been playing with fire for a while now. They have a habit of just not <laughs> they'll trail in the first half and then figure it out in the second half. I think they did it for six straight games, something like that. They were losing at the half. Finally bit them. They lost to DePaul 69 to 65. Home. Yeah, and here's the thing. People, I kind of thought it was an anomaly when it happened that Xavier played at DePaul and only beat them by one point. Well, no. DePaul played with them. And this is, I, I've been in Travis Steele's corner for a while. But this is very quickly turning into a disappointing Xavier team. They're going to drop out of the top 25 after this one for sure. So I'm glad you say that, Matt. I like when the, the, the conference has multiple teams ranked. I think it makes for more interesting matchups. I think the dynamic uh, across the country with respect to national attention towards the conference goes up. With that said, the Xavier Musketeers are overrated and do not deserve to be in the top 25. And the Xavier Twitter fans can come at me if they even listen to this, but that is just a blanket statement that needs to be said. Because right now, coming out and losing to DePaul, like we're not talking Butler, we're not talking Zenal, we're talking the DePaul Blue Demons beat you at home undermanned. Javon Freeman yeah. Liberty is still not playing for them. And who's the other guy that's out for them? They were undermanned with two players. And they owned rent in all of the Xavier fans' heads. That guy Johnson owned so much rent in Fremantle's head, which is easy because Fremantle is the most mentally soft college basketball player I think I've ever watched. But, I, I mean, this has been an underwhelming season for Xavier. This is a trend now that we've seen with the Musketeers. This happened last year, too. And I'm, I'm a little different than you, Matt. I think Travis Steele gets under my skin. But if Xavier does not pick it up and turn it around, I think he's in the hot seat at the end of the year. Yeah. The leading score, I, I agree, first of all. I absolutely agree. And I think I think getting swept by Villanova was probably the big knock for that team. And I think since yeah. then, they've really kind of faltered. But yeah, the, the leading scorer for DePaul against Xavier, I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly, Corvassier Macaulay. Never yeah. heard of him before. He's in his second year for DePaul. Averages 4.2 points per game, 3.2 last season. He's a senior. He played two years, I believe, at the JUCO level, or I don't know. I don't know if it's JUCO or D two with Lincoln Memorial. And he's been. I mean, he, he averages. He plays about a quarter of the game for them, and he stepped up. They had guys yeah. out, and they figured it out. He had a great game. I watched that second half. He was, he was playing with so much confidence too. And he, you know, what's funny is I think sometimes when when you're playing with house money like that, like a DePaul team, you, you, he was feeding off of the Xavier fans, which was really entertaining actually, because you know how Xavier fans can get, you know how Providence fans can get, you know how Marquette fans can get. It goes across the league, but he was feeding off of it, which was the best part. Yeah. Yeah, and that's I mean that's what you got to do. DePaul now two and nine in conference. Friars, we're, we're saying all this. Friars, you get them one Saturday. Can't overlook that game. You got to no, absolutely get, not. Got to beat them down again. Got to do it again like you did back on January first. Again, Friars have a break between now and then. But yeah, this is the big picture. of The conference is super interesting right now because it's UConn, Xavier, Marquette, 
sorry, UConn Xavier Creighton, Seton Hall, all teams clearly good, clearly tournament teams, but just for whatever reason, I mean, UConn is is good but disappointing this year, and this is their schedule super difficult down the stretch. Xavier good but disappointing, can't win the big games. Creighton clearly talented but inconsistent, and Seton Hall. I mean, I don't know. There's a lot going on there. We talked about them a lot, so I'll leave them alone for now. <laughs> you can you can almost to a certain extent lump in St. John's with that group. Just so that yeah. tier of basketball. St. John's I think is a, a notch below, but maybe 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 half a notch below the rest of those guys. But the top the top three in the conference is incredibly clear. Friars ten and one, Villanova ten and three, Marquette eight and four. That's those are your top dogs. I, I might even add, and I agree, Matt. The the top three are are the clear top teams in the league. That is tier number one. Um, I think you know there might even be four tiers here. I think tier number one: Providence, Marquette, Villanova. Tier two, and this tier one was in that order. Tier two is in no particular order. Um, Creighton, Xavier, Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll put Seton Hall in there too. Tier four is just Butler and St. John's by themselves. And then tier five is DePaul and Georgetown. Yeah. Or, did I say that right? Yeah, you did. Five. You got that right. So, okay. yeah, and it's interesting. I mean, I think it's it's pretty clear there's three teams in the Big East that do not have a shot at the tournament, barring winning in Madison Square Garden. The rest all do. So we'll see what happens over this final month of the season. It's going to get interesting, but... I, the Friars have a couple of games that the Friars still play DePaul at home. They have a game at Butler, which is going to be tough going to Hinkle, but should be a win. And you're one other one in there uh, the home against Creighton. You'd really like to see them win that game. And then yeah. you also have Xavier and two against Nova. So, man, I can't wait for these next couple of weeks of basketball. And I'm just looking at the Big East as a whole. I'm going to, I'm going to be watching every game. It feels like down the stretch here. Cause Oh, my God, it's just so much fun this year. This has been and obviously we're biased. It's a lot of fun when um, your team is 20 and two. But this has absolutely been a fun year uh, of Big East play so far. Yeah, it has been. So, yeah, excited for the uh, the tournament. Excited to see what the Friars are doing right now. Again, Providence 20 and two overall. 10 and 1 in the Big East. Best start to a year they've had since the 70s. They beat Georgetown 71 52. Your leading scorer, Jared Bynum, career high of 32. Noah Horker leads you with rebounds with 11. Al Durham, your assist leader, with four. Friars will play on Saturday, so we'll uh, we'll be seeing them at the dunk next Saturday afternoon. For the for uh, Joe Howie, I'm Matt St. Jean. Make sure you're following us at the Flex Hoops on Twitter and subscribe wherever you are listening to this. Please interact with us. Please come talk to us. Come join our group chat. It's a ton of fun. You want to be in it. Make sure you leave us a review. If you like us, if you don't like us, don't worry about it. You just just click away. You don't have to leave a review. That's that's all right by uh, by us. But yeah, thank you very much for listening. And uh, we'll talk to you later this week. Go for our eyes. <laughs>